Hey everybody, welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, remember when going to a hotel, all you really expected was just a bed, yeah. a TV, yeah. maybe if you were lucky, had free HBO, right? and it was like on the marquee outside yes. as if it was a big deal. <laughs> maybe we have free HBO. Yeah, yeah, maybe a continental breakfast, which was maybe like some muffins or yeah. fruit or something. That, that you know. came to be expected, yeah. sure. Yeah, or yeah, what yeah. about going to a sporting event and you just... You know, you sat in your seat, you got mm-hmm. some peanuts from a vendor that was wandering mm-hmm. up and down the aisles. That was about it. You know, yeah. you watch the game. Yeah. Yeah. Expectations have changed a little bit, don't little you bit. think? A little bit, yeah. Just, just a little bit. Not quite the same anymore. I mean, you can still go those, you know, low value kind of things, but people like to have more of an experience yes. when they yes. do an event, when they go to a hotel, when they're in a restaurant, right? Yep. yep. Peanuts right. ain't going to do it anymore. They are not. <laughs> not so. I mean, be... I still like a good peanut oh, all game. Don't get me wrong. Yes. But I want to be able to order it on my phone and go pick it up from a locker, yes. a mobile locker, and not have to speak to anybody. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Well, today we're talking about the future of hospitality, some of which is already here. Yep. But we're going to do a little prognosticating, if nice. you will, and look nice. forward into the future. Yep. We have a couple guests with us. We have Josh Stanfield and David Vanderdusen yep. from Epson to talk about this subject. Good guys. We're going to talk about, you know, what's obviously it's been a tough year in the industry. We're going to talk a little bit about what to expect maybe over the next six yep. months to a year. Yeah. And then we're going to get into the future and start talking about, hey, what are things that we and they expect to see over the next decade or so in yeah. the world of hospitality? If we could um, venture that far, right? If, if we could. Yes. yes. If we yes. could venture that far. And then we'll, we'll get into some other topics, too, like recreational hospitality, sporting mm-hmm. events, mm-hmm. concerts, all that mm-hmm. kind of fun stuff that, that we're all looking forward to getting We back all know to it's mass. changing, so it's like what's going to stick, what's not going to stick. Exactly. That kind of stuff. Ideally, yeah. we're giving you some stuff to take away to your customers to help Bingo. plan your business for the future and help them. Get Absolutely, ready for the 100%. As well. All right. All that plus our usual var- value to the VAR and what's tech connecting with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. As I mentioned, our guest today, first up, Josh Stanfield. You might remember Josh. He's he back. He was with us last year. It's yes. been over a year now, I think, that he was on the show. Came over to talk about, uh, uh, was it mobile ordering? Mobile yep. ordering software, online mm-hmm. and mobile ordering software. Josh, welcome back. He's an ISV BDM for Epson. Tell us a little bit about yourself or anybody that might not remember, and what have you been up to over the last year? Probably same as the rest of us. <laughs> sure. Um, well, I appreciate um, you giving us the opportunity to join. Um, I, I manage the software partners with Epson. I've been with Epson for about three and a half years. Uh, prior to that, I was with a couple point of sale um, startups within the space, mainly focused around retail. And, uh, you know, my time over the last year, it's been a lot of outdoor activities and, you know, a lot of time to spend with my family and so hiking and I actually just finished about a hundred mile hike on the John Muir trail about a week ago. Wow. So yeah, a little bit of uh, a <laughs> little bit of challenge, but lots of beauty. If there's a way to do the pandemic right, I think Josh has. There you go. He's he's yeah. bettered himself. He's gotten out in nature. <laughs> More in tune with, with the family. Yes. And a 100-mile hike to boot. Yeah, no doubt. Wow, that's heck, awesome. I, Suddenly, I, I have not been doing anything. I, I've caught up on some TV shows. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our, uh, uh, our other guest today, David Vanderdusen, is a product manager for Epson. David, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to Epson, and, and maybe we'll follow up on Josh and see if you can shame us a little bit more what you've been up to over the last year i don't know if i can top josh's experience over the last year but uh first thank thanks for the invite uh excited to be here to join you guys for this uh like you mentioned i'm a product manager at epson in our point of sale group uh managing most the core products so our our uh receipt printers our our multi-function that can also do checks and our label printers Uh, which have seen a lot of change over the last year um, and it's been an exciting thing or a product group to be a part of you know no hundred mile hikes for for me during the pandemic i I stayed a little focused a little bit more internal and actually just honed my cocktail game so a lot of tinkering with the different flavors and uh 
you know, a little bit less strenuous than some of Josh's activities, though. There you go. That's a little more in line with yes. what most of us are up to, I think. I like that one a yeah. lot. Yeah, I think Josh was, was the exception to the rule there, so. So it is, a, is it an old-fashioned, Dave? Is that is that what the, you've been working on, or what what's specific, or lots of different cocktails? Oh, lots of different ones, but all it right. all starts with the old-fashioned. There you go. There you all go. Right. Fair it's enough. the classic. You yeah, got to master it, the basics before yeah. you get <laughs> I mean, they call it the old-fashioned for a reason. For a reason, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys both for being here. Uh, we want to get into this topic about the future of hospitality. Yes. You know, uh, and I, I, you know, you know us. We love to talk a lot about what's going to happen next and think about mm-hmm. what's what could be down the road. I mean, when we do our tech connecting segments. It's always a lot of times about you know kind of future advancements that may be on the way. Yeah. So you know, but first let's let's kind of talk about where we are now. So you know, obviously it's been a difficult year year and a half now let's say i think we're at a year and a half point now in in the world of hospitality a lot of different industries but especially in hospitality um you know there's quite some time when people just weren't traveling much their you know, events were closed down mm-hmm. sporting venues were closed down for quite mm-hmm. some time restaurants you know were, were not having in-person business and now we're, we're getting back to some sense of normalcy covid's doing its best to ruin the fun still but, absolutely but yeah. we're trying to get back to where we were so where do you see things right now? What what are the priorities for hospitality companies? You think um, at the moment and moving forward within the next you know six months to a year or so, uh, David, I'll let you start. You kind of mentioned COVID trying to to crash the party again right now. Um, and I think still one of those top priorities in in the hospitality industry is that that confirmation of safety for the customers the guests and the the employees. Um, so still putting those systems in place uh, with a, an eye toward the emphasis on how those concerns um, and the continued environment that we've been in for the, the past over a year now with the pandemic are still being addressed, still being thoughtfully um, worked through. Uh, but I think right now as we've We've had an extended period in, in the pandemic and we're you know, now in another variant of COVID. There's also a shift toward continuing to address those needs and concerns, but doing it in a way that also allows uh, the companies and the locations to start to incorporate it into that customer experience that they, they built the reputations on or something that can be a system that can be put in place now to address these, but then evolve as we come out of this and continue to drive value um, as we begin to, you know, join together and talk about how COVID impacted our lives in the past. Josh, what about you? What do you think is going on? And now and in the, you know, close future? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, we've all done a lot of online ordering, um, hospitality and retail focused. And, you know, we've seen a lot of companies adopt that from, you know, more like micro merchant type things to more larger conglomerates in the space. Um, And I think everyone is sort of honing in um, and sharpening their swords in that space that it's not about just turning that on. It's, does it tie into the kitchen? Can, you know, what type of notifications and messaging and loyalty and everything? Um, Can you still provide your customers granted that that's sort of a newer channel? Um, that at least majority of people have participated in now. Um, so, you know, we've seen things like um, loyalty now being included on some of the online ordering platforms, um, which is a, a real good way to kind of bridge some of the gaps. You know, you have all these revenue channels, whether it's in person and they're, you know, uh, walking in and purchasing and sitting down or like takeout curbside online ordering if you can't offer the same experience across the board it can be a hindrance um, to some people and the experience itself isn't um, quite as great so i think a lot of what we're seeing now is things getting um, refined a little bit to where the experience of being able to walk in um, and do an order provides all the other benefits that you would typically get um, or excuse me Doing an online order provides all or similar benefits as what you would get, um, you know, walking on site and and doing the orders. Um, Promo codes, there's lots of kind of things that have always been there, but have not existed on some of these other channels uh, of revenue. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. A kind of a honing of the of the solutions that are out there. I think that's dead on, uh, Josh. You know, when you think about it, I mean, I've experienced it too and myself where, you know, maybe a restaurant didn't have the ability to do online ordering six, eight months ago. They do now. Or, they, you know, they, they dipped a toe, if you will, and they went with, uh, you know, DoorDash or something like that, one of the major conglomerates. But now they're even pivoting away from that and doing online ordering. And by the way, they're really pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there was a, a, there was a restaurant Bibby Bop, you know, I'll, I'll use them as an example that you, yeah, you could DoorDash them, but now they have a really nice online ordering and they deliver. Right, so it's right. like, you know, they're kind of honing their whole business model around the new norm. And, and so not sharing those profits with DoorDash anymore at that point, then. Bingo, 100%. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, when you pivot over to the ho- hotels, they're going to be doing the same as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as a society, I was reading up on one of the statistics. A recent Harris poll found that 74% of Americans would consider taking a work vacation uh you know instead of a vacation so the the point there and then the article went even a little bit deeper into how folks are really looking to extend these vacations so not not the one week vacation but if it's going to be a workcation maybe it's two weeks down in the caribbean type of a thing so i think that you know hotels and the technology that hotels offer and the overall experience that they offer is definitely going to change coming through this this pandemic and out of this pandemic right. and those are just a couple ones that I thought hmm you know what that's that's pretty interesting right because People are digital nomads now. You can work anywhere. It doesn't matter really if you're, you know, for a lot of folks, right. if you're sitting on a beach, well, maybe the audio is going to be a little different <laughs> if you try to get on a Zoom call and you got the, you know, the trees and the right, waving right. in the background. But, but you know, the, the point of the matter is, yeah, you can be a digital, digital nomad. So that workation... I think that's going to be a lot more All right, prevalent. so how do we get ourselves a workation? I don't know. Can yeah, we right? do the pod like by a pool somewhere? <laughs> yeah, we're going to be Marco down in Marco will have to stay here. Our producer will have to stay here and oh, do clear everything from here. But we clearly. will go on the road and Absolutely. do the pool side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I like what both of you kind of mentioned there, too. And, David, you really hit on it, I think, in your initial response, which is the idea that the stuff that these the different venues and hospitality companies are doing Yes, it's about meeting the moment. It's about figuring out like, hey, what are we going to do right now Mm. to keep people safe, to keep ourselves afloat, Mm -hmm. to keep business moving along? But with an eye towards thinking of like, look, this isn't just about the now. This is also about the future. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these things that we're doing, you know, as Josh mentioned, the online ordering, the, you know, the mobile experience, the loyalty, it's not stuff you're just going to stop doing when you're going to say, all right, COVID's over. Yeah, really. We don't want that anymore. Right. We don't want to do this anymore. No, because customers have come to expect it. They love it. They enjoy it. And they will want that moving forward. You can't just flip a switch and turn that stuff off one day Mm -hmm. and get rid of something that everybody loved. Mm -hmm. So I I guess that kind of is a nice segue there into us thinking, you know, further ahead as we go down the road and, you know, post-pandemic, whenever that is, hopefully sooner than later. uh, And as we're thinking about the future over the next decade or so of hospitality, I want both of you to kind of think about, you know, and throw out one or two types of technologies, innovations that you see really making a huge impact in the world of hospitality can be in any space of it that, you know, any corner of it that you feel like you want to talk about. Uh, and, and tell us, you know, where there are potential opportunities for our VARs maybe to, to latch in on that. So Josh, I'll let you start this one off. What are a couple things you think are in the future of hospitality? Um, well, I mean, we're, we're finally in the world of contactless almost everything. Um, a lot of, you know, like BYOD type applications. And so, um, you know, I think that there's a responsibility for us within the industry to continue to push, um, you know, NFC type payments. Um, there's a lot, you know, on the, on the bar side and with some of the software companies out there, media is really critical in, in this new digital format of everything, um, for hospitality, you know, and, and restaurants, your menu items have to look beautiful you have to be able to update them you know pull them off the menu if if certain products are no longer uh, available um, and then you know there's a lot of um, cross-selling and upselling and things like that that you know is is really happening in this world and I think that there's you know a responsibility for you know experts within within the space to to help boost revenue with some of these newer channels and to create better branding and, you know, offer products that are uh, being very progressive. And if, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of kiosks obviously pop up um, recently and, 
interestingly enough, you know, there's companies like Home Depot that have kiosks, but they don't allow you to interact with them right now, um, at least on the self-service side. But yet at a grocery store, you can. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how all of that plays out. But I think that that is going to be a, a big part going forward is content is going to be king. Um, being able to cross sell and upsell, having um, your history available in some of these transactions. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, David, good what stuff. about you? One of the interesting points about that is somewhat counterintuitively, as we see contactless experiences increase, it actually increases the number of contact points. And one of the things we've seen is the, the customers don't seem to be more forgiving over one form of experience versus another. They're not going to expect or uh, accept an online ordering experience that was less enjoyable than ordering in person. You know, they still have these, uh, these ex similar expectations and high expectations across both of them. So I think the points Josh is bringing up here about content being key the media having to be uh, beautiful, the menus being updated and uh, providing the, those latest views. Being able to take in all of these contact points that are being introduced and look at the insights from all of them, connect them all together and using all of that data to be able to quickly adjust to any learnings or informations or preferences that start to pop out in the um, in the interactions the customers are having. You know, so being able to leverage all of these different ways that the customers now want to be interacted with or want to have these experiences, whether it's that uh, kind of the traditional in-person interaction that we will see some return to or the, the continued implementation of these contactless experiences, whether it's through kiosks or using your, your phone to check in or, or get in your door in a hotel. You know, being able to tie all of these systems together and then run the analysis, use the analytics or the, uh, the processing on that to create one view of the customer's experience with the brand and which aspect they're choosing to interact with, um, where they might be really uh, having their expectations exceeded or where there might be opportunities for improvement. You know, the, the ability to, to turn all of this into one cohesive experience, no matter what channel that experience happens through, um, I think is going to be a, a really interesting trend that's going to, uh, you know, starting now, but really accelerate and and deepen over the next several years. I would agree with that. We've talked a, a little bit about that. And when, geez, you know, big data is such a big thing that you can get into. Uh, but we were just talking to Kaylin, uh, you know, mm -hmm. from FastSensor about, uh, I mean, you're absolutely right, David, in, in the sense that, you know, data, the ability to manipulate it and pull out of it business intelligence that is then utilized, uh, whether it's through the customer experience or bringing that holistic experience to play, uh, is going to be critical. And that's why solution integrators really need to be in tune with that. You know, gone are the days where you're just able to install a point of sale system and walk away. You really have to be thinking a little bit more holistically about that whole thing. Content is king. You know, you, we hear that all the time that mm -hmm. it comes back to content is king. It's and, good news for me. And, content, <laughs> and context <laughs> is is king too. But but that's you know they're they're dead on in the right. sense that yeah that experience that you want. You know we've talked about there's a premium if you're going to go into a place and have that experience, but you still want to have a good experience with a brand or what, whatever, whether it's a hotel or a restaurant wherever you are. And so just that continuity, I think folks are getting a lot more that and I can tell you those that win at that game are going to win in the marketplace yep. right because that's what people want did oh yeah I know this brand and whether I'm online whether I'm curbside whether I'm going in it's this the same experience that I can uh, come to enjoy yeah. well you know me from enough time on the show that I I love the self experience anytime yeah. that I can do something on my own without human interaction is is great by me but you know to David's point 
there are times when I will do something like that and it's a harder and clunkier experience than just going to XYZ place or mm-hmm. picking up the phone and calling somebody. Yeah. And that to me makes it even more frustrating. Like, <laughs> if you're telling me like I cho- I willfully chose to use your online experience, for instance, or your mobile experience to do something yep. because I like to do that sort of thing and I want to ha- just take control and do it myself. And now that experience is so problematic that I have to give you a call or visit you in person or find someone to talk to instead. You're right. That's a that's a huge like deal breaker that just will just piss somebody off and ruin that entire experience for me. Even if even if you get it right down the road eventually, that's potentially somebody that's like, no, I'm not coming back to this because you didn't roll it out of the gate properly. Yeah. And I think that's that can be a huge kind of factor to think about here is and for our VARs thinking about working with their customers that want to implement some of these futuristic technologies and start moving into a different realm that when you do it, you've got to do it right out mm-hmm. of the gate. Mm-hmm. You've got to have the right partners. You've got to have the right software, the right hardware, whatever it is you need. And when you are ready to go and flip that switch and turn it on and give that experience to your customers, that it's working out of the gate. Because if it doesn't, you've set yourself back not only in not taking that step forward that you wanted to take, but also in losing the customers that came to you because they thought you were taking that step forward. Oh, 100%. So. And, and one of the angles that we've talked about in the past there is maybe retooling some of the staff, right, which which people don't really think about. You know, that, that okay, a lot of hospitality workers have been on the front lines of this right. pandemic. I and mean, let's be perfectly clear. And w- when when companies pivot to other technologies to augment the experience, you know, what we're seeing is, as a trend is, you know, new roles that those staff members yep. can take on in order to embrace that and make that experience, as you were just mentioning, a little bit more seamless when when you do shift into or when people are still interfacing with you, but now through online or now through curbside or now through a different way, right. a kiosk or something like that. So maybe having kind of that host that still would be able to help somebody with the kiosk. Things like that are are definitely happening in yeah. the marketplace. Yeah, agree. So. All right, guys, uh, what are maybe one or two other ideas you can think of here of you know, future technologies and innovations that are on your radar? Uh, well, one to kind of piggyback off some of what has just been spoken about is communication in that mm-hmm. with with a lot of this being digital now, it is sort of empowering um, businesses to be able to communicate statuses about your orders and updates. Um, also, you know, I've been working with lots of companies in sort of in the stadium entertainment, that that type of space that you know, David and I, a lot of what we do is really kind of point of sale centered, but because we're, we also do projectors and all of that, um, they're really trying to create super unique experiences and, um, you know, being able to order from your seat and from multiple vendors at one time and having it delivered, being able to pre-order things for your seats, um, going to stadiums. Like I, I saw something earlier about the Dodgers stadium and that they're completely cashless and they actually have machines in the stadium that convert cash to like a MasterCard debit card or something. Um, And so, you know, there's a little bit of that. And then there's one that kind of comes to mind that I think is really interesting, which is, um, you know, we, you know, we've been kind of building out a couple products for kitchens, you know, mainly like display systems that, you know, are really centered around efficiencies. Um, and what we're seeing is that communication is something that needs to be expanded in a lot of these places in hospitality. Um, one of the one of the companies that I'm working with, um, they can just hit a button on a table, call a server. Server's wearing basically an Android um, smartwatch, and they can communicate directly with the customer that's sitting at the table. Um, you know, and so I think that that that's something that's super important about all of this. In the digital experience, you have that capability. In in person, um, you don't. And so, you know, the the same type things should be carrying over to both sides of the fence. If I do an order, it's held up. You know, I want text messages or push notifications or emails. I want to be up to date. If I'm in my seat at a stadium or at a concert, knowing that, oh, your food's going to arrive in five minutes, uh, be on the lookout, you know. I think that those are things that really greatly enhance the experience and allow you to really enjoy, um, you know, what you're purchasing or what you're being entertained by. 
Absolutely. And David, before you comment, I'll, I'll throw a, a layer on top of that personalization. You know, you are seeing the trend out yeah. there. Especially, so when I think about communications, uh, of course, I react better when it says, hey, Dean, your food's ready in right, five minutes right. rather than, hey, your food's ready in five <laughs> minutes or, or whatever it is. And I, and I think hey, that customer two, two, five, six, seven. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if I've gone through the effort of like creating a yeah. profile in their world right, and right. stuff like that. I mean, I'm now expecting some kind of right. personalization. And even though that's me. all automated too, you still, that's okay. Still, you feel that it feels yeah. different. It does. I'm okay with leveraging technology so that it's a little bit more personalized to my whatever, yeah, whatever my yeah. tastes are or what I've ordered in the past or yeah. whatever. So, I mean, that is definitely a trend. But again, it, this all kind of interweaves in the, the, to the data that you're pulling and then the ability to extract that, do something with it, and then layer on top of that a little bit of personalization. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I know that some of the technology that Epson works and in, gets into that and stuff like that. But anyway, David, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What are, what are your, some of your thoughts as well and some maybe some other things that are out there i think you had a really important one there with the personalization and you know josh mentioned some of the the stadium things that they see at, at dodger stadium i'm actually a uh, pretty massive soccer fan and i'm a season ticket holder to the la galaxy and they've also gone to a fully cashless uh system with those same systems where you can um exchange cash for a card that can be used in the stadium. And it's all handled through their app. And I think one of the, the interesting points on that personalization is, I think there's opportunity, at least in, in from what I've seen in my experience, to use that and leverage it um, to show uh, the additional value of what is offered in those stadiums. So for example, and uh, unlike a baseball game where you have multiple breaks in between, you know, we, we have pretty continuous action for two halves in soccer with one halftime break where everyone splits to try to get their concessions um, or, or get their drinks, whatever it is they're doing. And as kind of a creature of habit that I am, I tend to go, be going to the same places each time. And when you start to attend multiple games, you know, Thankfully, I, I, I love my empanadas there. I've yet to get tired of them. I don't think I ever will. Um, but there's the, you know, the whole rest of the offerings across the stadium, which are not universal, right? And there may be an offering in a stand across the stadium that I'm not aware of. Um, so I think the, that transition to the, the digital cashless uh, tickets being handled through there and being able to see how I'm interacting with that and find those aspects of the offerings, right? Because we, we've talked about the different experiences that the, the customers want to have and how they have those high expectations. But one thing we, we didn't necessarily talk about before is how do they find them? And I think that's where some of this personalization can come in, tracking how those interactions are going, what they're returning to, and then what they may not know about, they being the customer in this case. And if there is something in the, the offering here, whether it's a, uh, a, a hotel noticing that I've ordered the same type of food in multiple visits and there's a, a local uh, variant of that that I might be interested in trying, or just that kind of acknowledgement and effort to look at, you know, this is David, this isn't, customer number or loyalty number this person um, that, like you guys mentioned and take what um, take how I've been interacting with that brand or, or the way that um, those things I've returned to and either you know not losing track of I may just want to do that but making those thoughtful offerings about these are the other values we're bringing that you may not know about. Yeah, those are yeah. very good points. Yeah. One thing that I was going to say, I've, I've been thinking a lot about this. And yes, I do watch Netflix as well. Um, <laughs> but like Netflix, Hulu, DoorDash, Uber Eats, whoever it may be, um, Olo, all these you know larger online ordering companies, um, none of them have allowed you to create favorites, really and to take out certain types of places or food groups or any of that. And I think that maybe that's a part of 
um, the future of a lot of this is much more heavy, uh, uh, heavily personalized um, offers or this is a restaurant that I don't want to purchase from, stop putting it at the top of the list or stop recommending it and allow me to see what I really want to see and, you know, similar things. And I think all of that is AI machine learning type things that they're, I'm sure that hopefully they're working on. They're certainly doing it with cross-selling and upselling on things that you currently are purchasing um, to make recommendations. Fortunately, you can't remove these recommendations and personalize that part yet. That's a good point. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that yet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so a couple other things that kind of occurred to me, I wanted to jump in and, and, and you guys can throw in some more detail on these if you've got them. But while I was thinking about this, one thing was, you know, AI and analytics. And I know we've kind of touched on that a little bit here, yeah. obviously, with mm-hmm. understanding customer trends some tailored marketing to them. But, you know, also pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we talk about this a lot in retail, but I think it works in hospitality too, especially in mm-hmm. restaurants where maybe there's, you know, dynamic pricing Absolutely. that can be set up based on what is happening in that day, based on if, you know, customers are making a run on a certain type of food, but another food is getting left behind. Maybe you drop the price on that other food in order to entice people to buy that. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you know, running out of stock of one and have overstock of the other at the end of the day. Uh, I could even see that maybe like in, in, you know, dynamic experiences, maybe even in like events and in uh, stadiums and things like that, where in the future, maybe you, you know, you know that most of your fans seem to be congregating on one side and I don't know, you send out a push alert that says, hey, there's a deal over at this restaurant, which is over on the other side. We want to get people moving down that way and checking out some of these venues and, and shops instead. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, let's be honest, when you go to like a, you know, to a concert, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's a nice venue or a, especially sporting events these days, they're almost like little towns. Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember I went to a Cardinals game I don't know, it's been like three or four years ago now, I guess. And they've built, you know, and that stadium's not like super brand new, but, you know, it's not really old either. But it's basically its own little town district around it. We've got it here in Cincinnati, too, mm-hmm. to some extent around mm-hmm. the ballpark now. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's it's a place where you want people to hang out, even when you're within the stadium. It's an experience to yes. be in there. Right. There's cool restaurants with yep. local foods. Mm-hmm. It's not just the standard hot dogs and peanuts and Cracker Jacks fare. You know, like, you know, I, I think that all just kind of blends together in this idea of just creating this experience wherever you go and whatever you're doing at that time. So I would agree with that. I'm going to go back to your dynamic pricing right. for just a little bit because I do think that that's yeah. a trend that that's definitely out there. I mean, when you think about some of the other trends that are happening in the restaurant, in, in uh, obviously in hotels that serve food. And, and things like that. I mean, there's a whole desire around sustainability or being a little bit more eco-friendly because like food waste and food spoilage is huge. And I remember working on a project in a previous life of mine before Blue Star, uh, working on a project that integrated point of sale data with when people opened up, you know, a package of whatever. And once you open it, you got to sell right, it. You right. either sell it or you throw it out kind of a thing. And so we were working on dynamic pricing models and this is like a decade ago. Right. And I know we were cutting edge and a little bleeding edge at that point in time. But today, that that doesn't seem so unrealistic no. to do some dynamic pricing around that. Josh, did you have a comment on dynamic pricing? Yeah. Well, I just think that it, it, it seems like a spectacular idea, you know, within the hospitality space. Um, you know, I mean, you made a lot of really good points around it. I just, to be able to, you know, the issue is, is what technology controls that pricing and are they all connected in a way that it can systematically flow from one product to another? If you support multiple online ordering type platforms or uh, mobile ordering or ordering through your website, you know, they're typically, it would be the point of sale that really would be managing that. And I'm not, you know, um, I'm not so sure that all the technologies beyond that have that capability yet, but that seems like a phenomenal way to, to really do business and to look at it. Um, unless all your customers are deciding to order at 9 PM at night, um, <laughs> to get the best deals on everything. No, so, that's a really good point. I mean, back to, back to my use yeah. case, yeah, we'll we were, figure it out eventually. Yeah. yeah. We were integrating the point of sale into the digital signage, the menu boards. And so they were, we were triggering certain messages, you know, to, to help out if like, right. again, if they, if they, 
cut open a cheesecake or something like that, or I, I forget what the specific use case was, but we would we would trigger those types of things. Or we had dynamic pricing around the temperature of the day. I mean, if it was really hot outside, then the icy or the ice drinks were you know priced a little bit differently. So uh, anyway, yeah, th- that well, kind of stuff that's, is, is that's a good point too. Like maybe I don't know because you could have different pricing in person versus you mm-hmm. know online or mobile ordering too. Mm-hmm. Let's say like you have expectations, you normally get a certain flow of mobile orders at a certain time. Maybe it's a little less that day, mm-hmm. but you're seeing a few more customers than usual coming into the mm-hmm. store. So maybe you adjust your pricing for that, either to get a little more revenue out of them while they're there or, you know, to, to get them to buy a little bit more. So I think there's definitely a way you can play around with that. Now, hopefully we as the, the consumer don't start getting super savvy about that and get frustrated about it, you know, like, uh, you know, like, hey, uh, I, well, I, I, I bought this online and I just came past your store and saw it's $5 cheaper now, like, you know, in store. What are you doing to me? So... I was imagining a slightly worse well, scenario going back. To, I'm sorry, Joshua, uh, uh, going back to your stadium yeah. where, hey, the hot dogs in stand A are now 50 percent. So a whole rush of people goes over there. And then, you know, the next communication. Well, maybe you're selective about it. Maybe you only ping like a certain number ah, of people or something. I, see, you know? yeah. I don't know. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I was going to say one of the one of the differences between like retail and hospitality is that retail is really good about inventory. Mm. Um because they're selling and you can see how many units are available on a lot of e-commerce sites. When you go into the world of hospitality, I mean, I'd venture to say 80% of entities do not enter inventory into their point of sale and therefore they have no knowledge of that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's where, you know, there's things kind of around um, the operations within kitchens that we hope can start to trigger some of that like oh we're out of this ingredient let's be able to from the kitchen put that item on pause from online ordering or you know from the point of sale and tie it into it so yeah really good point Super really important. good point yeah. so one last thing that i'll add here um, i had cybersecurity on here we don't need to dive too far into that but obviously you know, that's more and more of a concern than usual, especially, again, if you're going to be asking all your customers to show up somewhere and be yep. tied into everything, yep. you want to make sure all that's secure, sort of their data is secure and their mm-hmm. you know, their uh, their program is secure, their profiles, et cetera. But another one is this idea, I think I came across this during my research, of replicating home experiences mm-hmm. while you're traveling. Mm-hmm. So this is especially like for hotels and resorts. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, most of us might think like, well, I want a different experience at home when I'm traveling, right? But there's still some comforts at home that you might expect. So, for instance, you know, voice technology, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I read about some hotels that are experimenting with putting like Alexa type devices mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in hotel rooms that you can talk to and, hey, t- turn the thermostat up, turn the television on, start the coffee maker for me, book a reservation in the restaurant for me at six o'clock. Yeah. Um, things like, I'll give you an example. I when, I when I traveled to Destin a couple months ago on vacation mm-hmm, with, mm-hmm. Um, with my wife and her family, the condo we stayed in. Even though if someone owns this condo, it's you know, not part of a professional chain or anything, but they had TVs in the house that had access to all the major streaming services, and you could access them all through guest accounts. Ah. So when my son's yelling at me saying, I want to watch Muppet Babies, because that's what he would do back <laughs> home, I could log into my Disney Plus account as a guest through on their television. Uh-huh. And it like times out after a while, so it's not like it stays logged yeah, in, or right. I can log mm-hmm. back out on my own if I wanted to. And he could watch what he wanted to watch there, the same as he would if he, as if he were back home. Yeah, really good point. And I think that's the kind of stuff where you know where people want some of the same things they get at home. They want the, obviously the grand experience of you know wherever they're staying, and hopefully there's a lot more better perks than what you get at home. But there's some stuff that we expect at home that we want to find when we're actually out on the road too. Dude, if it's I, suddenly I, missing, we're like, where's that? I totally see that happening. And when you look at the trends again, and the other word that I'll throw out here is leisure is is the new word. It's the business leisure. Uh, you know, or the workation, right, right, right. but leisure is is a term that professional businesses, business people who are kind of mixing leisure with pleasure. Right. So to your point, yeah, I mean, you kind of want some of those home amenities. Look, if I'm going to be on the road for two weeks doing a little bit of leisure, a yeah. little bit of business, yeah, let's have some uh, some of my home life mixed in it because I'm probably bringing a kid with me yep. or significant other with me, and we need, you know, it would be great better to have that experience where it's a little bit more seamless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. All right. Well, hey, let's wrap up here with, uh, and we've kind of talked a little bit about um, recreational type, you know, uh, hospitality, sporting events, entertainment attractions. Uh, David, I'll start with you on this one. Is there anything else around that part of things? If we get away from the hotel and restaurant experience of hospitality, anything else in the world of hospitality from a recreational standpoint that you think is going to change or evolve that you're looking forward to? Kind of linking back almost to that dynamic pricing 
conversation, especially as we we look at recreational hospitality and you know because it's an area of passion of mine, I tend to gravitate toward those sporting events. Um, but I, I think the the continued personalization around that experience uh, from moving toward the the digital first model, um, whether it's ticketing, food ordering, uh, the um, notifications. And I, I think one of the interesting areas to, to watch develop there um, is the, uh, how do you control and how do you select the channel that you're offering these new digital experiences in? Um, you know, and, and what is the infrastructure behind that that you need to be able to tie into? You know, I know in some stadiums they've put up their own uh, supplemental cell towers where they have they've built their own wireless networks in there because they need to be able to support uh, that um, connection or they can't get to their customers to utilize and leverage any of these new capabilities they've put into place. Um, so I think as we you look at the the infrastructure there and how that will feed into the personalization um, one of the, you know, it, it's taking a step back and it's interesting because it loops back into a lot of the topics we've already, we've already discussed in uh, today and the, the different channels they may be, may want to interact with the data, uh, the base of data to run the analytics or the, the business intelligence on, um, and then the infrastructure to, to create that, but not all, and this is, this is one thing I've appreciated. Not all of the concession offerings, for example, in a, a stadium anymore are kind of your standard hot dog, burger, popcorn, same thing throughout the entire stadium. There's all of those uh, um, either local flavor, personalized, different vendors coming in. Um, so I think the, and it kind of touched on before, but how the stadiums in particular um, when they have such large crowds and they have such distributed uh, amenities that they may that uh, guests may not be aware of, how they put that uh, that infrastructure base in place and then you know curate and select the communication that's going out to them to both increase that experience, but also you know it gives you an opportunity to to maximize. Uh, the revenue or the opportunities for uh, for the brands that are in the stadium. Awesome. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. As you were talking, David, I was thinking to myself, you know, one technology that I'm thinking of that, that I know is starting to creep into sports and stadiums is AR. You know, and, and yeah. I was just imagining myself sitting down at Great American Ballpark and, you know, you're on one side of the stadium. I have no idea what concessions are over on the other side of the right, stadium. Right. Wouldn't it be cool if I whipped up my phone, had a little augmented reality, and I could see, you know, little blips would right, come up right. and say, oh, Nathan's yeah, hot dogs yeah. are over here or LaRose's pizza right, is right. right here type of a thing but but in all seriousness and you know uh, augmented reality is definitely one of those technologies that i, I think you're going to see a little bit more in in stadiums yeah. and, and stuff like that uh, yeah josh i'm sorry i stepped on you right there right no there. no worries your thoughts yeah around? no yeah our, augmented reality is a little bit in our world as well you know we right. do a lot of that for like remote support um drones you know there's some interesting things um now what i was going to say and I don't know if it's actually been brought up today. A lot of these technologies um, come from a very simple technology called the QR code. And it's taken a really long time for the US to understand how to use a QR code. I think it stores like 2048 characters or something like that. And that's how a lot of people are getting access to um, a lot of these features um, throughout products. So. I think, you know, in the entertainment or recreational hospitality world, we're going to see a lot more of that. Um, most of them, you know, are fairly serialized in the fact that they know exactly where you're sitting. Um, and then the other part that I was going to say is this has provided an opportunity because of the digital means of all of this for brands to get involved as well and to do promotions and to offset some costs. Um, by advertising in some of this or pushing you to buy another product versus um, a competitor's product. So 
Um, sort of like what we see in the coupon world at a grocery store um, being printed is very similar to what's happening in this world. And brands do want to get involved with a lot of this and they can seriously offset the costs um, of implementing some of these programs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, hey, this has been a good conversation. I feel like we've talked a lot about the nice future of hospitality and some stuff down the road. I'm Absolutely. kind of excited about some of this stuff. You yeah, know, yeah, I, yeah. Cool stuff's coming uh, down yeah, the road. I can't wait to see uh, what's out there next. The next time we're traveling, going to a concert. Uh, sport. I say concerts like I still go to concerts. The last time I went to a concert, which has been like four years ago, uh, I was gonna ask, oh. my legs and feet just ached uh, for days after. Yeah, I haven't been to a concert it's, longer than I that. can't do it anymore. No? I wish I could. I love oh, it. Oh, you're getting old. If I could yeah. sit down the whole time, sure, but you know. <laughs> Okay, yeah, now you're going to the, like the Pops Orchestra. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bring your lawn chair. Yeah, if I want to go umbrella. see someone who's exciting, like yeah, I oh, want to be the one guy man. who's like sitting there where everybody's jumping around like, I'm just hanging out here. So, so your days in the mosh pit are gone? Very long Very gone. much so. Yes, okay. very much so. They were very short-lived <laughs> to begin with, so. All right, now, hey, before we move on to our recurring segments, I want to, as always, thank our sponsors here on the show, of which Epson is one, so thank you for your support and for letting us Josh and David today. Yep. Hey, uh, obviously, as always, if you like the show, let us know. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button for this episode, subscribe to the channel so you can make sure you're not missing any of our episodes. Uh, if you listen on the audio version, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever, uh, leave us a, a, any kind of rating and review that you can, especially on Apple. Five-star rating review. would love to hear from you and what you like about the show. And uh, if you want to reach out to us, tell us what you like, don't like, have some ideas for future episodes, topics you want to hear about. You can find us on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also email us, techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, hey, let's wrap up first with the value to the VAR. Uh, this is where we try to take our conversation, put it in a nice package, put What's a bow it mean on to the it, VAR, wrap it up. Right? Yeah. What does this mean to you? What can you take away from this conversation? So, uh, Josh, I'll let you start this this uh, conversation. You know, what should VARs be investing in or working on with their hospitality customers right now to to future proof and to get ready for these kinds of innovations that we're talking about? Yeah, I mean, for for me, I think the the you know the biggest ones are you know, getting very familiar with some of the kiosk manufacturers and some of the software providers that are out there. A lot of them are looking for um, resellers, um, contactless payments, um, and then, you know, making sure that the products that are being recommended really carry a lot of integration so that these systems um, can be connected. And then, you know, back to being able to provide or um, allow these companies to have really rich uh, media and content so that it can be distributed throughout their, you know, software stack or ecosystem. David, what about you? Yeah, no, as we look at, you know, that, that idea of future proofing, it's looking at the hardware, the systems, the plans that are putting in place. And I think an important thing to look at is how those facilitate not just the pulling information from the customer or the ability to push it to them, but how those those products, those solutions, uh, the modules or installations that are done kind of facilitate the two-way transfer um, of information, both from the customer to the uh, to the hospitality vendor, from the vendor to the customer, and how they can, you know, keep that information flowing and document it uh, so that in, as we need to be flexible going forward, make little pivots or adjust to a changing preference, that uh, infrastructure is already in place um, to roll out those next changes. Really good advice, yeah. right? Uh, I agree. Josh, you were going to say, yeah. Yeah, there, there was, you know, one thing that I think um, hadn't really been touched about uh, on, you know, um, this one, but kitchen display systems, you know, I think that there are a lot of VARs that uh, do participate in this world. Um, this is sort of a, what I would consider a very critical component of supporting any of the things that we're talking about. And that, you know, they should, if they're not um, very familiar with kitchen display, they should look and see what's out there, understand what it can do, what it can tie in, because this is the operational efficiencies. This is what reports, um, you know, times. This is what talks about employee performance. This is what helps you with scheduling. There's so many things that are tied to it. 
And so that would be an area that um, in the VAR community that I would look heavily in because a lot of restaurants and in uh, anyone that's in the hospitality space can be quickly overwhelmed by some of the revenue channels today. And this is sort of like what keeps, um, you know, it, it really close to the vest as far as what your performance can be, what it is. And, um, you know, it's it's something to certainly look into and to get very familiar with because it is only growing in this space. I love it. Yeah, we always talk about front of house, right? Mm -hmm. We're always talking about True. what's happening to the customer experience right, right. side. Well, stuff's happening in the right. back too, KES systems and, <laughs> yeah. and integrating the technology. Your employees you're, want all the cool new tech dead too. on, yeah. Josh. Yeah, I, thank you for bringing that up here uh, late point. in the conversation yeah. because that's a really, really good point. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, KDS systems can enable so many different things yeah. uh, about the back of house, if you will. And yeah, you'd be a fool if you're not at least brushed up on some of that technology. And if you don't know a lot about it, to Josh's point, you should start digging. I yep. agree. Definitely yeah. agree. All right. Hey, let's wrap up with our favorite segment, What's Tech Connecting With You? This is where we get to talk about something from the world of science, technology, innovation. Anywhere. Well, yeah, anything, anywhere <laughs> that's happening in the world that we that's got our attention, that's got us reading or thinking about it. Uh, Josh, I'll let you start. What's Tech Connecting With You right now? So uh, one thing about me is that I'm very big into saltwater reef tanks. And so during COVID, I decided to set up a larger, much more complicated tank. And one thing that I found very interesting is I wanted to go all in on the tech because I knew with, you know, the, the role that I have with Epson requires me to travel a bit and I need to be able to control things, see things, test water temperatures, salinity, all these things. And so as I sort of designed the system, there were, I, pr I probably added eight Wi-Fi devices to my network in my home specific to just my saltwater tank. And it, it was just kind of wild because it allows you to do things with products that you really couldn't do before without like this added layer of software or an application or, you know, uh, remotely being able to connect to it and, and change it. So it's, been uh spectacular it's been disastrous um it's been all things um but at the end of the day it's been a really fun thing to kind of get into and to see um the technology in that space and um you know maybe someday i'll i'll share what i've got going here but i'd like to say that i have a little mini uh reef in my home so i probably have like 100 corals now in there wow that is all see josh That's, once again showing us out way up here like way just killing it yeah those are COVID yeah. goals that i've ever <laughs> seen right there thousand mile hikes building your own saltwater reef i mean wow oh, wait a minute wait so your little goldfish tank that you got for miles uh, you know and then no. the little pump he's just taking it up that got like... flushed down the toilet months ago <laughs> <laughs> Quite a few notches. <laughs> now, Josh, is this all under Google Home, right? Is it all going under one app? Is, are there APIs that tie into Google or what? Not yet. Not some, yet. Of it, okay. some of it can do like Alexa and Google Home and all of that. Okay. But what I really have is a folder on my iPhone that has all the Reef Tank apps on nice. it. And nice. I can program it to do things like when I'm away feeding and, you know, testing certain uh, parameters of the of the water because in this hobby what you really are is a water chemistry expert yeah uh -huh. not necessarily a fish expert or a coral expert so if you need any water advice i am um, providing <laughs> that all day long <laughs> that's, awesome. that's a good one that's a good one all right david what about you what's tech connecting with you right now recently i've been furnishing a, a new space and you know what i've found is I'm not particularly loyal to one brand or another when I'm looking for uh, accessories or any of those types of, of things that go in there. So I've been looking at a, a variety of different brands, a variety of different options for all of those. And it got me kind of thinking about the logistics behind that delivery. And, you know, there's the behemoths in the world, like an Amazon who can get feels like can get anything to you in two days. Um, and I was seeing a lot more of those types of delivery schedules than I expected. Um, not from people selling through Amazon, not from these behemoths in the uh, in the retail world. And so I was kind of looking into that and went down a, a bit of a rabbit hole on micro fulfillment centers. 
Mm -hmm. um, and I just found it really interesting how they're using uh, robotics and very dense storage in very small uh, square footage areas. And in some cases, repurposing some of the the space in uh, malls or uh, buildings that are not being used as much uh, as we continue to work from home and, and stay home more often. Um, so how they were using this, this technology and these layouts to move the, the location of that distribution center closer to their population centers, you know, bring in and offer as a service the ability to bring in and stock high priority uh, products for a variety of their customers and then deliver that to me and allow them to compete with some of these extremely large um, large brands and operations and still deliver that kind of uh, you know very impressive experience over the last mile of delivery. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that is awesome. I, I dev that is going to start uh, occurring in the and I I don't know that one's popped up near me, but uh, but it's definitely hearing about that trend out there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Dean, what's tech connecting with you right all now? All right, so we've all been through this COVID thing. We continue to go through. Do, yeah. do you feel like you need a break? Do you do you need well, a little time off? Yes. Okay. Would you like Can to I take a, right now? a whole year off? How about sure. a whole year? Okay. Do I get paid? Well, you know, so there's so NASA. NASA's looking for some people, and this uh. might actually uh, help with your whole desire to go to Mars. <laughs> so NASA is seeking participants to live in a fake Martian habitat right. for an entire year. So are you in? I don't know, Josh, no. David, are you in? <laughs> <laughs> let me let me give you a little bit more insight. It's seventeen hundred square feet yeah. that you would have to share with three other people. Wow. And it was created by a three D printer. So this whole habitat was created by a 3D uh, printer. So are you in? I want other people that are more adventurous than me to start this off. <laughs> and just let me know when, like, the luxury hotel has been built on Mars, and I'll come. Okay? Well, they're putting the building in the Johnson Space Center in Houston. They're going to put this habitat there, and they're looking for four people to live in it for a year so that right, they can right. test whether or not you really can live on Mars for, you know, I, I guess mean, up to a year. That's awesome. Like, I'm glad Wait, it is this. awesome. So, like, it yeah, really yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. It truly is awesome, but it's yeah. probably not for me. No. no. <laughs> Plus, like, I mean, you got to be, uh, hopefully you're stuck with people you like and want to get oh, along Oh, man. 1,700 square feet gets really small. to be small, fair, I suppose if you quick. are in any way someone who's involved in NASA, you've got to be comfortable with that kind of thing. Because if you're, if you're you know, doing right. space flights or you're going yeah. to a station, if you do be one of those first people that goes off to Mars or wherever to colonize, yeah, you you got to be surrounded by people that you're pretty happy with. Okay, well, if you're fed anyways, up and you feel yeah. like you got to get away from things for a little bit, I don't All know. Right. There you go. All right. You can do the habitat. What's that connecting go. with you? All right, so I think we talked about this a little bit offline at one point, but I wanted to share it on the show. So the Disney World recently announced the, the Star Wars Galactic Cruiser uh, resort experience. Okay. So, you know, they've got the new whole new star Wars galaxy's yes. edge yes. park. That's part of the, uh, that's part of Disney world now, which is its own thing. But they all said when they introduced that, that they were also going to build a hotel slash resort experience ah. that was built around star Wars. And it's called the galactic star cruiser. And okay. basically the idea is that you go in and you are living in the world of star Wars for two days. That's awesome. Everyone you meet, all the, the employees are all in character dressed up, Makeup. Got it. Uh, it's got, you know, full service options, bar, restaurant. All the food is tailored as if it's alien type food or something you might get in the Star Wars universe. Uh, you get, you know, a day pass to go to uh, to the Galaxy's Edge Park and play around in there for the day. The idea of this doing this is like you're not doing this to go explore the rest of Disney World. This is strictly an immersive Star Wars experience. Got it. Yeah. So you get to go play at the Galaxy's Edge Park. Brilliant. You get front of the line options to go to the uh, to go on one of the rides. Uh, You've already got your tickets. Well, let's talk about how much this costs. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. For two people, <laughs> two for two people. days, is mm -hmm. about $5,000. Yikes! Yeah, and mind you, that is during non-peak times. The, the initial <laughs> pricing they gave is for, like, late August through mid-September next year when this is supposed to open up. So that's not even considered as peak times. For four people, three adults and a kid, it gets to about $6,000. Good Lord. Yeah. It's, so the pricing. Hey, they've done their research. They know that there's enough people out do. there willing to put down five grand for two to be fair, nights. I came across a website that also pointed out that the most expensive Disney resort, the Floridian, the Grand Floridian, mm -hmm. is about 2300 for two days for two people. And you mm -hmm. don't get an all-inclusive experience. Mm -hmm. Like you get a continental breakfast and some refreshments throughout the day. 
There's no park access included with that. There's no front of line privilege. Princess Leia isn't de- delivering your breakfast. Right. So and, to be mm-hmm. fair, you know, I guess all things considered, it's you know a deal. Maybe <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Uh, it, d- it doesn't sound like it's a deal that well, I'm going to. That's be- a once in a lifetime experience. Well, is plus what you would there's do, the other right? part of it. I'm thinking like, okay, maybe this is something my son and I will do someday when he's much older, and hopefully he's into Star Wars that he gets into it and right. isn't like this is some stupid stuff that Dad likes. Uh, because I know my wife would want nothing to do with this. The first time a Twilight came walking up to her and offer her a beverage, yeah. she'd be like, no, I'm out. Sorry. Yeah, you know, a it. droid was rolling, rolling by. She's like, no, I'm going to go to this hotel down the way, hang out by the pool. You guys have fun for a couple of days. So you I don't do your Star Wars yeah, I don't thing. see this being yeah. something I could necessarily get her to oh, buy into, man. you know, immersing in the world of Star Wars for a couple of days. But yes, I would do it. I like if I it. had the time and money for it. Sure. I like it. Are you guys going, Are you doing this Star Wars immersive experience? I'm hoping that we have a Vartek there sometimes. <laughs> well you played, go. Josh. I, well you know. played. Yeah. I can in get terms of that. space experiences, I might go two days in Star Wars rather than a year in Mars. I concur. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. enough. Fair enough. I have a feeling that experience would be a little more fun and exciting yes. than roughing it and pretending yeah. you're on Mars for a year. So. Fair enough. All right. That does it for us. Josh Stanfield, David Vanderdusen, thank you guys so much for joining us on the pod today. We appreciate your time. Uh, It is time for us, unfortunately, to unplug. Until next time, uh, the Force will be with you if you have a lot of money. There you go. And please stay connected. Counterspace is at a premium for most retailers and restaurants, even for the latest in compact printers. That's why Epson takes space saving a step further with the M32SL, compact, sleek POS thermal receipt printer with a built-in table mount and convenient connectivity. Its modern industrial design gives users multiple configuration options and flexible positioning. Made to accommodate up to four POS peripheral devices via USB, this all-in-one POS printer can even charge a tablet and communicate data, all using a single USB cable. USB network tethering can even enable network connection tablets and locations with spotty wireless. Of course, the modern POS should support modern customer trends, so the M32SL enables online ordering, server direct print, as well as cloud applications via OmniLink Merchant Services. To learn more, check out the link in the show notes or contact your Blue Star Epson representative.